Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the All 22 Podcast. you got Chris and Ray again. And today we're going to be talking about the Washington Commanders. But before we get into that, I do want to apologize that we weren't here last week, right? It was a week. It was probably the first week in a long time that there was not an episode. And I feel like we owe you an explanation. And the explanation is... The Packers beat the Cowboys so bad, Ray actually that is refused not to talk the to me explanation for whatsoever. two weeks. This is the first time Ray and I have spoken since the game. I wanted to go live after that game, and Chris was like, no, no, don't do it. That never happened. It probably would have been a good idea if I, you know, if, for me to not go live, but yeah. But Chris here we are. Here we are, both sitting on the couch now watching football when our teams are at home. It's unfortunate. Packers, great season. I think every every day was kind of a blessing at that point, right? We were over exceeding expectations by a long shot. But, you know, I will say, I think we should have beat the 49ers. We were the better team. I think we lost that game. I don't think they won it. We, Nintendo we, Nintendo we. And uh, I would also say, I think going back to our conversation last podcast, I think Jordan Love is extremely underrated. No, he did not have the best game ever. But if you if you did watch the game, there was a lot of the mistakes that were happening at the beginning of the season that kind of went away during that middle to end part where, Jordan Love and his young receivers are trying to do something and they're just not on the same page. I think the Robert Kraft target that went for an interception, he continued going through the zone. I think Love expected him to stop in it. He threw a pick. There was a lot of that this game. So I don't really blame Love all that much for it. I think it's just, it's growing pains. It's a learning experience. And I'm sitting here saying we have a first, we have two seconds, we have two thirds. We're going to ramp this thing up, boys. We're going to ramp this thing up. I'm excited for the Packers next year. Yeah, this is not the Packers episode. Um, but yeah, it was missed opportunities, really. They 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 were the better team. But when you just don't catch three turnover-worthy throws from Brock Purdy, <sighs> you don't make him pay for it. That's what's that's what's going to happen because the, the 49ers, are, they're the number one seed for a reason. You cannot let those opportunities slip through your fingers. And even with the success that the that the Packers had and have had, the 49ers are so stout up the middle of their defense. It's hard to consistently sustain drives and success through just the perimeter of, of the field. It's so hard to do that. You need to be strong up the gut, up the spine. And it's really tough to do that against the 49ers. So that's why you didn't have the offensive fireworks that you saw in the, in the uh, wild card round against, against Dallas, where that is a weak defense uh, up the middle for the most part. Right. So um, it really just came to a point where the Packers just kind of got squeezed and they would have still been able to kind of slither out of there with a win. If they had just taken advantage of the opportunities that were presented to them by Brock Purdy, which of course goes back to then the whole narrative and discussion about, well, how good is Brock Purdy really? And is he a system quarterback and all that other stuff? Most quarterbacks, uh, you know, are system quarterbacks in one form or another to one degree or another. Uh, and that's a discussion for another day. But yeah, some of the vulnerabilities of Brock Purdy and the 49ers did rear their heads and the Packers just could not take advantage of it. You talk Mark about of a young team. It's the youngest team in the league. That's Sometimes that just happens. 
Exactly. But you talked about like us dropping three interceptions, which I agree. Like we catch one of those, we probably win the game. But how about just being in the red zone four times and coming up with three points, right? I think that's the bigger story, right? Like it's like the offense just not being able to finish is something that was happening at the beginning of the season that we didn't have happen a lot at the end of the season. And it again, it's against the best defense in football, one of them. And it just it makes it very difficult. Um, okay, really quickly, I don't want any explanations. Who is making it to the Super Bowl? The Ravens and the 49ers. It's in the script. God, I hate you. Okay, so with the Commanders, let's jump into it. And the first thing I want to ask you, Ray, is new owner, are you keeping the Commander's name and logo or are you switching oh. it up? I would switch it up to what? I don't know. I'll go to like chat GPT and just come up with like a few ideas and cool logos and just pick the best one, honestly, because commanders is just, it doesn't do it for me, but yeah, I would definitely switch the name. I'm with you. We're in agreement. We're not the commanders. We are something else. And I don't know if I have that say as GM since like, this is a, we're the GM, but I'm going to try to influence the, the, the new owner and tell him that we should get something a lot better than a freaking W on our helmets. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's the first decision we're making. Second decision, coaching spot is still open. I think I've said it multiple times on this podcast that I think Vrabel is still the best head coach available. He is still available. We are. This has kind of been a slow-moving process. I think in previous years, we've seen guys get hired a lot quicker. Interesting, interesting to me that Bill Belichick has had multiple interviews with the Falcons, and they haven't hired him yet. And a part of me thinks that maybe this is Maybe this is them being not so sure that Belichick's the guy, which is kind of crazy. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I think Vrabel is the best coach available. That's who I would hire in most cases. But in this case and what this team has, I think that going offense is actually very important, considering that you're probably taking your quarterback at number two. So my choice would be Ben Johnson from the Lions. I think this is the perfect situation for him. That's exactly who I chose. And again, for the audience, we don't do this. We don't, we don't exchange notes ahead of time. This is not scripted. This is not first take. Um, but yes, it's, it's Ben Johnson because you need an offensive mind for a franchise that is going to draft their franchise quarterback of the future. You want a quarterback friendly system and introduction for a young player heading into the league. Uh, Vrabel for as great as he is, that's not necessarily his forte. Uh, so while yes, he's a great, you know, culture driver and can squeeze the most out of the talent with which he's presented, you want someone that is best for your quarterback first and foremost, and everything else is sort of a distant second. We've seen what Ben Johnson has done uh, with the Lions, and that's not just a result of having a good offensive line and good weapons. And No, that he has done phenomenal work uh, with Jared Goff, uh, with those receivers, with the tight end, with, you know, with, with uh, in integrating uh, Sam Laporta into the offense. Phenomenal job across the board for, for Ben Johnson. So I, I think he's the easy choice if they can land him. Cool. So he's our coach. We got him. We changed the team name. We changed the logo and we got our coach and Ben Johnson. So now looking at the roster, just thinking about what I like about it, I will say, I think the previous GM did a pretty good job. Like you have to admit it that this team is not, you know, considering they have the number two pick. I don't think this was full fault of the GM. Yes. He didn't get the quarterback right, right away. Um, but I'm not really sure he was ever really in a situation to do that. And he did try a few times, right? He, he drafted Dwayne Haskins RIP uh, he drafted Sam Howell a couple of years ago in the in, in a later round and got him to be a starter. Uh, so he obviously found good value there. 
uh, but he hasn't really hit on the quarterback. But I'm inheriting this team that I think is actually in a pretty good place. When I look at the most important thing, and that's where the money is, I think the money's actually in the right places, right? We don't have a quarterback and we're not paying one, right? It's not like we have Daniel Jones on the book for $150 million guaranteed. Like there's none of that, right? So there's not a big investment in a, in a wasted position. The running backs have been good and they're not being paid either. And where are we spending the money? It's on our wide receiver one. It's on our tackles. It's on our defensive interiors. It's on our cornerbacks. Those are some of the most important positions in football. And I applaud him for paying those people because they're all pretty good players. Uh, he traded away his edge rushers that he didn't want to pay. Do I think that he should have paid them? You know what? We'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm going to say no. I don't think he should have. I don't think Chase Young proved that he was a good enough guy to be a standalone edge rusher and paid as if he was the top edge rusher in the NFL. So you get a second round pick from him and you don't pay that position, right? So it's it's the pick that you get and it's the money that you save. I think it's this, the right move. So money's in the right places and the cap is currently expected to be $84 million in space. So we're talking about one of the biggest cap spaces a team has, again, with some weapons at the at the important positions. I love that, and I love that I have this space. You're going to get, get um, a lot of this, but I'm going to be spending this money. You are going to see me spend this money on this podcast. Uh, and then just other things I like, right? Good pieces on offense. You have Terry and Dotson as your receivers. Those are two of the better receivers in the NFL, one of them a prospect still. But Terry's one of the best guys in the NFL. You have serviceable tackles that are slightly above average in Leno and Wiley. And then you have a standout guard in Sam Cosme, who they had playing at multiple positions throughout the last several years. This year, they put him just at guard. He does fantastic. He finally had that breakout that we expected. Um, and then good young pieces on defense. Like I said, you have that interior set with Payne and Allen. Jamin Davis improved every year that he's been a pro. Uh, you have a really good safety duo in Cam Curl and Derek Foster. Uh, you have a stud cornerback in Kendall Fuller. And then we really liked Emmanuel Forbes at cornerback. Yes, he struggled mightily this year, but maybe that's because of the scheme and the coaching. Um, I still think that's a really talented prospect. That's a lot of words. That's what I like, Ray. Is there anything I missed? Yeah, you. I mean, you nailed it. Yes, there's some spots here that I could stand to improve, but the critical portions of the roster are in pretty decent shape for the most part. And if, if there was one that you would want to, or prefer to have to fill and cover up for it's the interior of the offensive line. Um, Cosme great at guard. I think you could stand to upgrade center and maybe left guard as well. Sadiq Charles hasn't really panned out the way uh, you, you wanted him to, and maybe what you thought of his ceiling when he first came into the league. But uh, again, Every, every roster has some holes. I think by and large, yes, they obviously need edge now that they traded away uh, Montez Sweat. Uh, Chase Young is gone. So, yes, th those are kind of the question marks on defense like you mentioned. Um, but, again, if we're looking at this from a holistic sort of 30,000-foot uh, view of the roster with the understanding that you are bringing in a franchise quarterback into this organization and you're looking to build for the next uh, three, four, five, seven years – and beyond, this is a this is a pretty good starting point. It's a really good starting point. And you talked about the interior of, of the offensive line probably still being a weakness, even though you have Cosme. I agree. So that's where I'm starting, where I'm saying, what are the weaknesses that I don't like? And that's the biggest one. I think the interior of the offensive line is weak. The tackles are aging. I definitely want to bolster that. I think there's a lack of depth on this team, right? Which isn't surprising at all when you're talking about a team with the number two overall pick. Uh, but I think that the offensive line isn't deep. I think the interior is very weak. 
Uh, Darren Payne has been underperforming, uh, even though the talent is obviously there. He's a great player, but he's been underperforming, so you need to get the most out of him. You need to get a defensive coordinator in there. That's going to get the most out of him. Manuel Forbes, big underperformer last year uh, to the point where they benched him a few times, right? And I think that, you know, we loved him. We thought he was a really talented player, and I'll stand by that right now. I still think he has it in him. So I think that needs to be fixed. Uh, Kendall Fuller is a free agent, so you need to uh, figure out what you're doing there. We'll talk about that. And then the edge position, right? We traded away our top two guys in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. There's nothing, right? It is void of talent there. Got to figure out a way to fix that. But when I have $84 million in cap space, I'm pretty sure I can do that. So go ahead. No, no, that was exactly what I was about to say. You have a lot of cap space to to address some of these needs and and plug those holes. Exactly. And uh, just before we even get into free agency, there are a few names, right? I talked about Fuller. He is going to be a free agent. Are you tagging him? Are you signing him? Are you cutting him? You're the one who's going to spend money. You have the room to tag him. I don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. He's 29 years old. You know me, cornerback is a young man's position. It's a young man's game. I want young legs out there. 29 years old, sure, I'll sign you on for one year. He's had, I mean, he's on a phenomenal streak of very good seasons. Uh, So he has an indicated decline, but you don't decline until you decline. So uh, I'm not signing myself long-term to anything tied to Kendall Fuller, but if he'll do a franchise tag or a two-year deal, sure, I'm all for it. You stole the words out my mouth. I tagged him in this situation. The tag for corners is estimated to be about $18 million. So again, we have 84. So I'm spending 18 tagging my guy, bringing him back. So I have my cornerback one. I don't want to make another hole on this team. Uh, But speaking of like when you hit that wall and you fall off when you age, whatever you were saying, did Diggs hit that wall? Did Diggs hit that wall? So it's it's interesting. Uh, I never... Yes. But there's also a part of me that thinks he's the kind of player that gets into his own head sometimes if things don't go right, right away. And he took himself out of games more than the physical capability decline or whatever it is that she hit 30 um, has presented itself. I think he's still very good, but gets in his own way sometimes. And it's just, it's frustrating. Right. All right. So the the next player on this uh, this free agency list that that's a free agent this year is Curtis Samuel. I'm going to go first because I know you're just going to love him and sign him, but I'm not. I already used my tag on Fuller. I think Curtis Samuel is a bit overpaid. His his last deal was about 10 million annually. I don't think he's worth 10 million. I think I could get better value. I think I have the draft picks. If I wanted to get receivers in this draft, I can. And I also, again, I like McLaurin and Dots, and I like what I have. I don't think that. Um, this is one of my weaker positions that I should go and spend $10 million on kind of a player that's just underperformed throughout their career. So I am letting him walk. What are you doing? I wish that we got to see Curtis Samuel in a Ben Johnson offense before this. I think he's the exact type of player that Ben Johnson could just scheme up a lot of great plays for. Um, but you drafted Jahan Dotson in the first round two years ago for a reason. Uh, things didn't work out with him the second uh, this past season, his second year in the league. Third year is where you really want to see that investment pay off and a player start to ascend. So it's time to make him a focal point of your offense. And 
allow him to grow, right? And focus your attention elsewhere because he's going to be the number two to uh, Terry McLaurin as the obvious number one player there. So no need to tie up any more resources into the third guy. You can find those types of players uh, out there or draft them on on day two and even early day three. Those type of players are always available. Um, that's not to diminish what Curtis Samuel has done. You don't appreciate it, but Curtis Samuel is a great player who can do great things for an, an offense as long as they're creative enough and have the vision to do so. Some people just lack that vision, Chris, but uh, not me. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would let uh, Curtis Samuel walk in the situation and allocate that money elsewhere. Wow, sad day. Sad day you've given up on Samuel. Uh, Cam Curl is the other free agent. He's the last one that I think is noteworthy. Uh, obviously, we talked about earlier that the safety duo is impressive. I think the defensive back group in general is a strength of this team. I want to keep that a strength again. So Cam Curl, I am trying to bring back. I think he's looking at around 7 to $8 million a year. I think you can make that happen. Um, so I'm going to give him that $7 million and bring him back. What are you doing? I think he's going to cost you more than $7 million, but I would bring him back. I just saved, air quotes, $10 million or so on Curtis Samuel. I use some of that and make sure that I bring back Cameron Curl uh, in the secondary. Like you said, don't create holes where you don't need to. Uh, don't get worse on purpose. This is a good player. A bit of a tone setter in your secondary. I like that. Keep him around. Uh, good young player and build from there. Cool. So the next thing I have is extensions, because I do think that one of the things I would do if I had a ton of cap space is I would try to keep the players that have been performing well for a bit longer, right? And I want to keep those young guys around. Just doing the math, I've spent uh, 18 on Fuller, spent seven on Curl, so that's about $25 million that I've spent. I had 84, I'm down to 69. So just, you know, I'm not going to keep tabs this whole time, but if you are at home, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about it, right? It's on my mind. Uh, but the extensions I'm giving, I think first is uh, Cosme. I want Cosme on a long-term deal. This is going to be the last year of his contract that we have. Yes, you could franchise him next year, but he's young enough where I think a long-term deal makes sense. Um, I'm thinking he's going to request about $20 million a year. He currently was set to make about two, uh, but I'm going to give him the $20 million a year, maybe on a three-, four-year deal, um, and that's about $18 million more against my books. I definitely want to keep him and make sure that that interior doesn't get any weaker. Yeah. He's going to be blocking for a young 22, 23 year old franchise quarterback. So you gotta, you gotta keep him clean, especially up the middle and Cosme has improved. He's gotten better each year. He's on the right progression. You keep that guy around for sure. The next one I do want to talk to you about, cause I'm curious what you think. So Charles Leno is 32 years old. I think he's projected to make about 15 million this year on his current contract. I'm thinking that if he would be willing to agree to like an extra year, if he'd lower that cap hit to maybe 10 million, right? Give him the extra year, lower the cap hit in year one to allow me to bring more pieces on to help out that young quarterback. So he's somebody I was intrigued to extend. I think I would if it was me, but I'm curious if you would. I never create a hole at offensive tackle ever on purpose. So if you can get him for two years, like you said, um, you know, give him maybe a, a better bonus or something to kind of lower that base salary in year one or whatever the case may be. You know how they can kind of structure these things these days. You keep him around. Do not create that hole because if you have a hole at offensive tackle, that is something you end up cornering yourself and having to address in the draft. And that type of maneuver or reach 
can really set you back. So do not do anything to to diminish or or to deviate from the direction that you're on. Um, don't create that hole for yourself. Always set yourself up to if you had to play a game in the parking lot on April 15th, you at least can field that team and be able to do so. So you have an option at offensive tackle. So I definitely bring back Charles Leno on a two-year deal. If I have to overpay by a couple million, if the average is 16, 17 per, and you structure it in a way that maybe you have some more flexibility in your one, if you need it, go for it. Um, but again, a, a, a solid starter at a very important position for a young quarterback. Again, some some people might on the surface, if you look at this in a vacuum, say, I'm not going to extend a 32-plus-year-old Charles Leno uh, for multiple years. Why would I do this? is why. Again, the lens is we have to keep our franchise quarterback upright and put him in a good environment to succeed in this league. Not enough teams do that in this league. So I'm absolutely keeping Charles Leno around. And then if for some reason offensive tackle falls in the back half of the or the early part of the second round or something like that, and I can get uh, maybe the kid from Arizona, then fine. Sure. Yeah, I'll do that at that point in time. There's, there's nothing preventing me from drafting a future offensive tackle if one is afforded to me in the draft, but I don't want to force myself to have to make a move and reach for one by not signing Charles Leno. So I definitely bring him back. Right. And I think this is the luxury of having a quarterback on a rookie deal, right? It's okay to overpay some of these players because you have four years of flexibility now, right? You're starting right now. If you take Charles Leno and you think you can keep him for two years cheap, and maybe you want to spread out some of that money to hit on the back years, kind of how the Saints do it, right? You can do that. I'm not saying I would do that. I don't like paying people when they're not here playing for me, but you can do that. You have that flexibility. Um, okay, the next guy, I think linebacker Davis, right? He's been a slightly underperforming linebacker for years, but he's getting better each and every year. I looked at what the linebacker kind of uh, group gets paid on on a whole. He's nowhere near the top of the players on that list. I think he's somewhere towards the middle. The guys that I would compare him to are making about $5.5 million. I think that makes sense, right? Get him while you can get him cheap, and if you – get him to continue to grow and perform. I think that's great. If he's the player that he is now, that's also acceptable. I don't ever really like overpaying linebackers unless you have the best guys. So I'm okay signing Davis to a, you know, a two, three, four year extension, 5.5 million a year. I would definitely not have a lot of guarantees in there. I'd make um, a lot of incentives for him to, you know, make, make pro bowls, whatever it is that they do. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep Davis around. I wait till the end of the summer, whenever that deadline is, uh, I forget the exact date, to explore a long-term deal with him. But I'm letting the dust settle from everything else first because, like you said, linebackers are volatile. He hasn't been a surefire stud. He has been up and down, although he has improved. Um, And the thing is, with his draft capital, I think he'll try to command more than you might initially be comfortable with. So yeah, I'm, I'm prioritizing these other moves first. And then when the time comes, uh, late summer, whatever it is, maybe you start having those negotiations around training camp time and see what you can hash out once you see how everything else is shaking out from a roster building standpoint. Right. Just make them upset, make them not want to be here and then try to sign them. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's that. that it's a business. It's a business. You're, you're a professional. It is what it is. 
for sure. All right. So we, we had uh, signed Curl. We both did that at safety. But Forrest is also set to be a free agent at the end of 2024. I think that's another guy I want to try to extend. Again, he's a young, talented player. You talked about $7.5 million being too low for, uh, for Curl. But I think that's what the market is kind of um, putting out there. I think I could get Forrest extended on maybe an $8 million a year deal. I'm going to pay both my safeties to keep them here. So I'm oh signing gosh. Forrest on an extension too. You're like Oprah, just giving everybody a car. I'm, I'm not, I don't know, man. I think I might let Forrest go. Uh, that's, yeah, I think I let him go. I'm, I'm, I'm higher on Cameron Curl and, and kind of what he brings, even intangibly to that secondary. Um, Forrest has been okay. He's had some really high highs and then just some kind of meh games overall. Uh, I think I'm okay letting him walk. I'll use that money elsewhere. Okay. Well, you have him for 2024, so he's back for another yeah. year. Um, but I am now just getting to free agency. I've extended a lot of my young players. I've signed some guys back and I have $38 million left, which is still a good amount of money, right? Like I, this is a team, right? I just extended everybody. I sell $38 million, which is more than most teams will have. Um, I think it's going to be really important to know what they're trying to scheme with the new coaching. Are they going to stay a 4-3? Are they going to move to a 3-4? Are they going to move to something else? I don't know. So going through this exercise, I kind of did it with in mind that we would be staying with a 4-3 just with the current kind of situation because that's maybe what they've drafted for. So maybe that's what their strengths uh, just just will continue to push. There's a dog yeah, barking in the background. Breeze. Sorry about that, everyone. But the first guy I'm going to target is Jadavion Clowney, uh, edge rusher, 30 years old. I think I could get him on a two-year deal. He's been taking these one-year deals. But I think I could get him on a two-year deal. $9 million a year is what he's been getting. I think I can bring him in for that, especially if it's a two-year. And I love that, right? So you're getting a, yes, an older player, but he has been very productive. You're getting him at the important position. So if I was a guy that was saying, would I rather have three or four years of Chase Young on a mega deal worth $150 million or Jadavion Clowney on $18 million? I'm taking Jadavion. Oh, and a second round pick. I'm taking Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, sure. Uh, whatever. I'm not winning a Super Bowl in the next year or two anyway. So sure, if Javian Clowney wants his another, what is this, his fifth consecutive one or two year deal, then then have at it. Um, I'm planning on drafting an edge player when we get to it at some point, right? I think I think the class is not very deep at that position if you don't get it in the first 50 or so picks. So that might be something we target pretty early. So if you want a veteran in the room, uh, an older guy as well to kind of plug in uh, on that front, then by all means, go for it. So that's exactly how I thought about it. This isn't a very deep draft at edge. I only have the one first round pick, so I can't get a top guy. Clowney makes sense to plug in there, but I am going to be drafting some edge rushers. And I'll get to that later. But I actually signed another edge rusher that's older because I thought these can be guys that can help train those young guys, we have nothing on this roster, right? Like we're starting from scratch. We need to add four to five edge rushers for this to be a group that can be competent. And why not add Brandon Graham for $3 million, right? This is a guy that's been to a Super Bowl. He's been a leader of a defense for years now, and it's been a good defense for years now, right? Brandon Graham, $3 million. I'm, I'm having Clowney and Brandon Graham as my temporary edge rushers for a year or two years, and it's costing me $12 million a year. Fantastic. Brandon Graham is what? 36 years old. 35. Be respectful. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm out. 
<laughs> All right. So that's what I'm doing. Are you adding any other Reg Rushers, Ray, in free agency or no? No, that, that's it. That's it. Okay. Just, All right. Yeah. All right. I'm great. Uh, I think my I'm, I'm on the road scouting players for the draft already. So whatever. I, I come back and this is and, and I find Brandon Graham in the facility. I'm I'm upset. <laughs> so I had 38 million. I just spent 12 million. I have 26 million more. There's two guys I'm targeting now, and these are going to be the bigger items that I'm going to spend on. How the hell did you sign both of them for just 12 million this year? How did that work out? Brandon Graham's making three million dollars. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's smart business. All right, Ray? something you okay. should learn about, buddy. Yeah, yeah, totally. 36 year old edge rushers. All right, he's a mentor. All right, but I have Legereus Sneed coming in to be my corner that I am signing on a long term deal. Yes, Fuller is back. I franchise tagged him. Like we talked about, he's 29. He's going to be 30. How about bringing in a young buck to step in and really be the key, the cornerback one in the future? And for this year, I have Fuller, I have Snead, and I have Forbes. Could be one of the best cornerback rooms in the NFL. Um, he's getting 17 and a half million at just 27 years old. So I'm going to give him a three year deal. How much? How much? How much per? Uh, if you were listening, uh, 17 and a half. 17 and a half. You think that's going to get luxurious need? I don't think so. I think you're going to have to take that 3 million that you gave uh freaking octogenarian over there, Brandon Graham. And I think you're going to have to get to 20 for luxurious need. So I got this from Brad Spielberger. I didn't just invent these numbers. I so know you invented numbers. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just inflation. going to like the experts. You know what I mean? Shout out to Brad again, my boy, Brad. We'll see what luxurious need signs for AAV this off season. I think it's probably closer to 20 than 17. Okay. Uh, All right. And I got him for 17 and, and you can go sit. Oh, you got him for 17. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. The next guy I'm going to get is Damian Lewis, right? We talked about how the interior of that offensive line is super weak. This is not a great player by any means. He's not a great player, but he's good enough. He's been consistent enough. He is, um, I think cheap enough where I can get him again, maybe just below $10 million a year. And that's the rest of the money I have. I'm going to give him a three-year deal. And I'm just making that interior of an offensive line a little bit better. And that offensive line as a whole, a little bit more consistent. What do you have to say about that, Ray? I'm a big, I'm a big Damian Lewis fan. Uh, I've always, I always have been since the draft. I said, this guy, this guy is good. He's a he's a bull. He can he can absolutely be a stout blocker for you on the interior. And if you look at sort of his career trajectory, right, uh, his calling card for the most part has been his run blocking, as you'd expect. And solid twenty twenty rookie year, down year twenty twenty one, solid year twenty twenty two, down year in twenty twenty three. Sounds like he's up for a solid year in 2024 uh, if the pattern holds true. But yeah, 6'3", 330-pound uh, guard. Again, stout up the middle, sort of build and form that wall in front of my young quarterback. I'm all about it. And that's why I didn't sign Brandon Graham because I, I want to have a little left over for guys like this uh, in case I have to, again, maybe outbid some other teams. All right, so since, so since you've just been sitting there and just tearing apart my free agency plan, yeah, except for Damian Lewis, I'm the draft guy. Let's get to the draft and tell me what you're doing <laughs> at pick two. Okay, pick two. Uh, it's Caleb Williams is going number one overall. That's that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of content that's put out there and 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 noise because this is what people need to do. Ninety two days before the NFL draft hits, uh, they have to talk about something, right? 
Ooh, Kurt, uh, Caleb Williams versus Drake May. No, it's Caleb Williams is number one. Drake May is number two, and that's perfectly fine. So at number two, you stand pat, you take your guy. I talked about it where my franchise quarterback cutoff, uh, when I look and grade these quarterbacks, I think the two surefire franchise guys are Caleb and Drake May. And then you have the debate about the others. It doesn't mean that just because someone's above the line that they're always going to hit, but those are the the franchise tier quarterbacks in this class. You get one in Drake May and you you go on with your life. You have, again, you kind of patched up your offensive line in front of him. So you have two receivers for him to throw to. You have a, a decent, probably better than decent offensive line uh, for him to you know learn uh, or throw behind and sort of grow under. So yeah. I'm happy with it. And it's not a dire situation like a, you know, when Daniel Jones was coming into New York, for example, you're setting him in, you're setting him up with some pretty decent environment overall. Yeah. I mean, Terry McLaurin is a better receiver than Daniel Jones has ever sniffed. So um, sure. I agree. And I, I agree with your take. I think it's Caleb Williams is far and above the number one quarterback. He will be gone. I'm hearing rumors that it's Drake may or um, Jaden Daniels. I think that's all, Yes, I think it's a tier one. I think there's a tier two, which is Drake May, and there's a drop off between tier one and tier two. And then I think there's another drop off between tier two and two, tier three. So I'm going with Drake May, um, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. I'm really happy with that pick. Uh, I think he's again, like I talked about, how I think he's going to be a top fifteen quarterback. I don't know if he could ever be a top seven quarterback, but I mean, there's been teams that have won Super Bowls with top. 25 quarterbacks, right? Like if your team's good enough, you can do it. I don't think there's any question that Drake may has the ability to be good enough. He can do it. Will he do it? Like you said, Ray, I don't know. Um, but I like the situation. It's a better situation than a lot of quarterbacks uh, fall into. I mean, when's the last time the commanders have had a top 15 quarterback? It's been years. It's been probably decades to be totally honest. So I'm trying to uh, think, no, like legit, yeah. like who is the last guy? Alex who? Smith. I don't think was top 15 when he was there. Right. Right. Uh, at that point, Jason Campbell never was. I, I don't know who else was there. Brunel was not. Did they have Ryan know, Fitzpatrick man. at some point? I mean, like that's not top 15. <laughs> it might've been for a minute. You just didn't like him because yeah, he's old. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks he was top 15. Um, yeah, that just goes to show you how far this franchise has fallen. So it it may literally be. You say it that been. way. You say that it, it's how far they've fallen, but it also might just be how like long they've the Hawks, been good yeah. enough to not have a top two pick, right? Like they've been in that that hell of 10 to 20 for a long time. And that's that's hard. But that means that you've been doing more than more than you should have with what you had. And I think that's probably what Washington has been doing. Sure. And, and you have an owner who took over a basketball franchise that was also sick of being in purgatory and not drafting high enough to actually get franchise players around them and coined trust the process and then had the league collude against them um, and insert sleeper cells into their front office. Uh, but that's all before Harris got there, I think. So uh, in any event, uh, again, just a cool little segue there that again, he's taken over franchise and now you're at the point where we're not in purgatory anymore. We're not drafting 14th. We're not even drafting 12th, which nowadays is for the most part too late to get a franchise quarterback, or at least the odds go down significantly 
at that point. And no, I have not looked at the numbers before anybody will actually is me. I mean, it's, I'm fairly sure the numbers are still in my favor. Um, so yeah, you have your chance. Now you take that shot. And again, the environment's pretty good for that young quarterback right now. It's not amazing, but when you're picking second overall, it hardly ever is. Right. Okay. Well, with the second pick, my second round pick, it's pick 36. I talked about it. I said, I got Clowney. I got Brendan Graham, but I need a full room of edge rushers. And to be honest, I want to get a lot younger, right? And I'm going to use, this is the second most valuable position. The first being quarterback. I got my quarterback. I need to get an edge rusher. I'm going Breland Trice out of Washington. Um, I think he fits the mold. He can play a four, three edge. I, I watched his film a little bit. We're still not fully there yet on film. But he seems like a really good player for me to target, get into that room, to learn from a Brendan Graham, to pair with Jadavion Clowney actually in you know the next two, three years. And I'm and I'm getting better. I mean, I went the same route, took a different player. I took uh, Jonah Ellis. I heard Elias uh, earlier this week too. So I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but the edge rusher out of Utah, 6'2", 246 is what he's listed at right now. We'll see how he kind of uh, weighs in at the combine, but a true pass rusher, right? Uh, an, an amazing 18% pass rush win rate. Always have to slow down a little bit when I say that. Um, with high marks, even against true pass rush or true pass set grades. I mean, he's he's exactly what you need as as what you'd expect from a 6'2", 246 sort of edge player coming off of the edge there. Again, uh, good quickness off the snap. Not the most stout run defender uh, or what have you, but you can a you can sort of build that up. You can work around that. But for now, the most important trait that you want to see out there on that edge is pass rush ability. Jonah Ellis has it in spades. He's got that spring in his legs. I'm a big fan of his game. So yeah, Jonah Ellis or Elias out of Utah for pick 34. We both took an edge rusher there. I think is the main takeaway. Yeah, we both took an edge rusher. I went with a bigger bodied guy just because of the scheme. But like I said, the scheme could change. So I don't really know. So I think it's fine if you say you want to run a three four. Um, with my second second round pick, which I'm psyched because I have two, uh, it's pick 40. It's only a few picks later. I'm going and getting Jackson Powers Johnson, the center out of Oregon. I wanted to just totally revamp this offensive line. My 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 strength is now the interior, right? I said the the tackles are serviceable, but I got my center, I got my guard, I got you know I, I extended my other guard, my franchise guard, and then I have serviceable tackles. We're good. Drake May is good. Before we even went through the free agency moves, that's who I took at pick 40. I took Jackson Powers Johnson. Uh, the game of football is is evolving. And yes, this is the All-22 podcast. And I'm going to bring this back to the All-22 platform. We talk about centers and how they're so difficult to find outside of the top four to six in the NFL. Outside of that, for the most part, it's just a giant soup of hit and miss, up and down type of players. The position of center is changing. The best offenses right now seem to have centers that are legitimate people movers. Whereas back in the day, and I say back in the day, I'm talking like even just five years ago, the center was usually the smaller interior lineman on your, on your, on your unit. Uh, maybe six, two, not quite six, four, you know, maybe three Oh three, something to that effect, not the longest reach that's changing. And when you have a big center with a lot of length who can move, that can open up the offense uh, so much in the run game uh, and and really help out, again, your backs and a young quarterback. You can do so much. You can open up the playbook so much more with that type of 
again, just specimen at center. And I think that's becoming the new sort of trend. If you, I don't even want to call it a trend. It's more so just an evolution of offense in the NFL is we're not just going to take the super smart guy who's scrappy, but he's got short arms and he's six, two and just throwing him at center because we can hide him. Defenses are putting more guys head up on those guys and kind of trying to disrupt your offense that way. So look at these big centers. Again, there's not many great ones in the league right now. This is a pretty darn good draft class for center, especially if someone like Graham Barton uh, is moved to center in the NFL, the tackle from Duke who's up in this class as well. So, for the all 22 users out there and owners position you might want to target in this draft is again, look at some of these guys. They may even be listed at tackles right now, but if the plan is for them to be at center, you might want to take a hard look at them because that's, that's the ability that that that's an opportunity to really get some value add for your team, which again, goes for the NFL as well. Someone like Jackson powers, Johnson will be huge for an offense like this. And for a young quarterback, you need that stoutness again, up the middle of your offense. And he's just, tough guy he has it in spades i'm in love with jackson powers johnson he's a great prospect yeah i just have a feeling he's going to be one of our guys i have that feeling and you you touched on it i'm just going to drive it home you look at the four teams remaining tyler linderbaum creed humphrey and uh frank ragnow right three of the best centers in the nfl are remaining something going crazy in my house i apologize for the background noise he's telling you tyler linderbaum's not big but he's still very good so he's very good Ray, tell me who you're taking with your next pick. So the next pick uh, we have now moving into uh, the third round, uh, pick 67. Um, My simulation didn't take a guard uh, in free agency, so I took Christian Haynes, the guard from UConn, as just another sort of versatile player, um, but experienced, tough, not the highest ceiling, but he's not necessarily like a sawed-off prospect um, without any upside either. So I took a guard again. You want to just get bodies on that offensive line, uh, especially on the interior, again, to kind of make sure you can neutralize any of that interior pressure because that's the best way to disrupt a quarterback's uh, timing in the pocket. So I went with Christian Haynes here. If you signed a big guard in in, in free agency, you might have went a different route. But uh, again, theme here, protect that quarterback, solidify that offensive line up the middle. Like I mentioned, or maybe I didn't mention this in particular to tackle, but I'm not sure the tackle prospects are as great as they're kind of being discussed right now when it comes to maybe the the early third round of this coming class. I think by then all the good ones or the ones you feel really good about for 2024 are going to be gone by then. I like a lot of the tackle prospects in here. I think they're all going to go early. So if the board doesn't fall your way with those first couple of picks, this is why we brought back Charles Leno because you didn't want to have to reach for a tackle at this spot. And if you think what Ray's doing is crazy, just remember that the Chiefs drafted Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the same draft a few years ago, and it essentially saved their asses. So it is a good strategy. If you don't have it, you need to get it and you need to pick the right guys. I think the guys you picked are great. I love that approach. Obviously, I went, I, I, Hit, hit guard and free agency. So with my third round pick, my first of my two third round picks, I'm going with the second edge rusher out of Penn State. I'm going Adisa Isaac, uh, yeah. edge rusher, Penn State. Uh, I'm hearing really good things about him. One of the things I've heard is that Chop Robinson being this more raw prospect with elite tools, but production wise, maybe didn't hit his ceiling in college. Whereas Isaac is kind of the other way where maybe he doesn't have the elite tools, but he's ultra productive. Um, And again, he fits the mold of what Washington 
has been doing with their defensive line, um, having guys that can put their hand in the dirt. So you're the Penn State guy. Tell me about this, Isaac. Whoever drafts Adisa Isaac is going to fall in love with him. He is a he's a great he's a good leader. He's a great locker room presence. He is a and he's a very good, well-rounded player. The thing about Adisa Isaac that will probably get talked about as we get closer to draft day, he tore his Achilles leading up to the 2021 season. Prior to that, as far as I'm concerned, this was someone who was headed to be a three and out guy in college who after his junior year was going to declare and in my opinion was a future first round pick. When you go back and watch Jason Owe, uh, now Adafe Owe, and his tape in college, you are going to notice number 20 coming off the other side of that defensive line and frankly be more impressed with him than you were with Owe. Uh, Adisa Isaac was on that elite track before that Achilles injury kind of derailed him. And so in 2022, you know, he was getting back to form first year back from that injury in 2023. He was a key component of that really strong Penn State defense and that defensive front. Yes, he doesn't have that elite burst that a chop Robinson has, but he's not a, you know, feet are stuck in the mud type of player athlete either. I don't think he'll ever be the the again as I thought a future first round pick surefire, no brainer elite guy as he was looking like early in his college career. But this is a player who can be a starter in this league, be a very productive starter in both the the pass rush and in the run game and just be a very key core contributor to a pass rush overall. He's no one's going to say a bad thing about Adisa Isaac throughout the entirety of the draft process. He's, he's that good. I'm just going to always have that sort of what if, what, what if we had seen him sort of without that injury? I think we could have been talking about a really special player. Wow. So you're going to cut that and you're going to make that into a reel because that was pretty good. And we're going to, we're going to get that out there for Washington fans to see Isaac. Um, So I like that. That's my pick there. Um, And then with my other third round pick, I'm going tight end, Uh, the tight end out of Texas Sanders. Uh, just a, a another body to put in that room. I think Logan Thomas is getting up there in age. Definitely need to kind of get a little bit younger there, a little more explosive. Again, I want Drake May to have as many weapons as he can have. I think another way to go would be to go receiver here. This is one of the deepest receiver classes we've seen. So I think it's possible that you can find a legitimate playmaker at this pick at receiver. But kind of what you were saying about center, right? It's a low value position, but it's extremely important when you were talking about the most successful teams have centers, have really good centers. Same thing can be said about tight end, right? You're talking about Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and I'm forgetting one of the teams, uh, George Kittle, right? The best Mm -hmm. tight ends in football, their teams are remaining right now. So it is something that you want to invest in. You need to find the guy. The hit rate is low. I'll be honest, the hit rate is low. It takes a lot of time for these guys to develop, but you need to swing the bat. I'm swinging the bat here. I think last year, a lot of teams went and drafted tight ends. So the market for tight end in this draft may be a little less where a guy like Sanders will be available in the third round. Whereas in the past couple of years, you're just seeing guys like Luke Shoemaker get drafted early second round when you're like, wow, I thought that was going to be a fourth round pick. Um, So I'm going Sanders. I like I like Sanders a lot out of Texas. He's a, he's a he's a really good athlete. Um, like you said, kind of the modern day tight end. So I, I love that pick. Um, in my simulation, I, I actually drafted Kyrie Jackson, the corner out of Oregon, because 
I didn't sign Legarius Need to a, to a big deal, um, even though I, I I have the money to do so because I didn't sign Brandon Graham. So I'm going to go back and, and sign him now, uh, and then maybe draft a tight end at this slot. But um, I love the Sanders pick, and when it comes to Kyrie Jackson, a big corner, six three, just under 200 pounds listed. We'll see what the true weight comes in at. Um, but you pair him with what you think will be a, a more developed uh, Emmanuel Forbes moving forward, and you're looking beyond that uh, the post fuller cornerback room over there in Washington. I think those are two really strong building blocks that both have good size, good athleticism and kind of match up uh, with, you know, however you need to, they give you that flexibility um, for opposing receivers because they have that size and, and, and speed. So I'm, I'm a big fan. So yeah, I mean, if you address corner and free agency, maybe you go elsewhere with this pick, but, but if not, I do like, again, bringing in another cornerback into that room looking beyond 2024. I like that move. And I, I do think that Snead is going to be, whether or not they sign a corner is going to be, what do they think of Emmanuel Forbes and his progression? Do they think that he can be a number one guy? Do they, do they think he can grow into that? Or do they think he's more suited to be a number two or a number three corner? Um, just based on early results, I'm thinking they probably think he's more of a number two, which is why I brought in Snead. I agree. They'd probably go and draft somebody if they don't bring in Snead because they need depth at that position. It's, it is one of the positions you need to be extremely deep at. Um, but this was an awesome draft. I think, again, like the commanders are a team that are very exciting. I'm, I'm still calling them the commanders, but we have a new name. Uh, the Comanches. I don't know. Something like that. Something really <laughs> cool. Okay. You um, can't go back to that well, huh? Okay. No, this, is, this is better. That's better. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> so, but just, I just want to recap, right? So like it, it, I'm talking about what I would do with the commanders and what the possible outcome is. Think about this. Your quarterback's Drake May. Your running back room's the same. You have Brian Robinson. Your receivers are Terry and Dotson. Tight ends now Thomas and Sanders. Tackles remain Leno and Wiley. Guard Cosme and Lewis. And then center Powers, John Powers Johnson. That is a great offense, right? Like that has the potential to be a very good offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you still have Allen and Payne. You have Clowney and Graham, but you have Trice and Isaac as your prospects. You still have Davis at linebacker. Fuller, Sneed, and Forms at corner, and then Curl and Forrest at safety. Like that, that depth that I was talking about is missing. You're just you're revitalizing this team. They have the pieces to do it. They have the money to do it. So let's get it done and let's go, uh, Johnson, our new coach. Let's let's go win a Super Bowl. Sure, in 2026. But yeah, you you're you're set up well. Don't crash the car. You have moves that have to be made. There's work to be done, but it's a good start. Um, so yeah, just, just don't screw it up. The pieces are there or the, the assets are there. The roadmap is there. You can build a contender here and have a, a, a real legitimate contender in a couple of years in Washington. Absolutely. Everyone by this time next week, you will know who's playing in the next Super Bowl. Very exciting. Enjoy this weekend's games. I typically think that this is the best football that we ever have. Fred is like this week, you have the two best teams at each conference playing each other. And I think, you know, the Super Bowl, it's a lot of ads. It's a lot of commercials. It's a, it's a halftime show. It's a little overplayed. Obviously, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm going to watch it. I watched it every year of my life. But this is the weekend where I think you see the best football. So enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF. And leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. And have a good day. I'm a ghost.